Father, we just thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, Father. We just give you glory. Give you honor, give you praise. Father, we want to meet with you. And that is the reason why we have come to the ministry of the word. Not the lofty opinions of men. The wisdom of men is foolishness. And the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of men. The weakness of God is greater than man's strength. And therefore, your word says it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save those, to save people who hear the word. Yes, Lord, indeed. The world sees this as foolishness. But unto those who are being saved, this is the power of God. It is the wisdom of God. And therefore this morning we have, we have come to your throne room of grace, O Lord. We truly want to come to the throne room of grace through the body and the blood of your Son that you would purge our conscience from dead works. And Lord, grant us mercy this morning. We need your mercy, O Lord, more than anything else. A fresh baptism of mercy. For your word says that your mercies are new every morning. And let, let us, Lord, enable us, Lord, to experience them this morning. And Lord, I pray that even as we meditate upon your word, that you would anoint all of us to understand your ways, to learn of you. That we will grow a little more in knowledge and understanding of who our God is. And that we will not just be hearers, but we will obey. And build our homes, our houses on that rock. Grant us grace to that and we pray. And anoint us to hear and to speak. For in Jesus' name, Amen. God is good. So one of the things that uh, I wanted to share before we start, uh, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. Uh, Nehemiah and chapter 1. And was, you know, when God gave us this promise from 2 chapter 2 in verse 18 to rise up and build, build we, have, we, had, we never had any idea uh, as to what this would mean. But then... Uh, Sorry. Is it Ezra or Nehemiah? I think it's Ezra. Sorry. Where it says, one second, I'll tell you. Well, chapter 1 and verse 2. Yes, yes. Sorry, Ezra chapter 1 verse 2. <coughs> Okay, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me. And he has commanded me 
to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And um, chapter, uh, same place, one second, I'll tell you the verse. verse, yeah, verse 5 of Ezra chapter 1, verse 5, sorry. I was trying to find that verse and then, yeah. Then the heads of the father's house of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all whose spirits God has moved. Arose to go up to build the house of the Lord. Where? In Jerusalem. They all rose up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. And all whose spirits God had moved. And and I'm trusting and believing that after 32, I mean, this lockdown gets over, we will have a bunch of people whose spirits God has moved. And uh, that we will truly begin to understand God's ways and to seek his face and to build his house because that's the promise that he has given us, right? To build the house of the Lord. And God does not dwell in temples made with hands. You and I are the temple of the living God. Right? Uh, And that is the reason why we are being equipped. We are being built up ourselves. We are being built up uh, into the most holy faith. In the the holy faith as uh, Jude would say. So that we will be able to build the house of God together. And that is the reason why he is speaking to us. One of the uh, things that we need to know. One of the blessings that we truly are the children of God is that God speaks to us. He never stops speaking to us. May may we never come to a point where we are in a position where God stops speaking to us. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 28 verse 19 or 9 if I'm right. Let's see. 1 Samuel 28 verse 19 if I'm right. Um, uh, 9 then. 28 verse 9. Uh, Hmm. So where it says, I'm sorry, I'm not getting my, uh, where it says, uh, God stopped speaking to Saul, um, uh, which verse is that? 28.6, sorry, 28.6, 28.6. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Okay. God did not answer him by dreams or by Urim, or by prophets. Now think about this. Uh, Did Saul not have the scriptures till then? Yes, he did have the scriptures. But he never practiced to hear the voice of God by studying the scriptures every day. And he never inquired. He never had a devotion with, uh, a, a devotional life with God. He never sought the face of God every day of his life. And then, when he did not seek his face, Excuse me. Yeah. So, uh, the ultimate judgment on God's people is when He stops speaking, when He stops sending prophets. Okay. Uh, you, if you see the history of Israel in Second Kings chapter seventeen, you don't have to turn there. It says God kept on sending him prophets, rising up. 
ఓలీ ఇట్సెస్ తెలుగులో ఇంకా బాగుంటుంది పెందలకల పెందలకడ లేచి నా ప్రవక్తని ఇద్దరు పంపించానంటాడు అంటే ఇట్స్ లైక్ మేక్స్ ద ప్రాఫిట్స్ గో కెప్ కెప్ట్ ఆన్ సెండింగ్ 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 వార్నింగ్ 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 టు ప్రిపేర్ దెమ్ ఫర్ ద కమింగ్ జడ్జ్మెంట్ బట్ దెన్ నో బడి హర్డ్ అండ్ ది అల్టిమేట్ జడ్జ్మెంట్ ఆఫ్ గాడ్ ఓవర్ అ లైఫ్ ఈస్ దట్ హీ స్టాప్ స్పీకింగ్ టు అస్ Saul came to a point in his life where he inquired of the Lord because he never had this practice in his life. Remember when in 1 Samuel chapter 14, if you don't, don't have to turn there, when he inquires of the Lord and the Lord does not answer him, he should have just kept his mouth shut there and he should have said, you know, Lord, what is going on in my life? And that was a practice in his life. He never practiced hearing from God. And God speaks. Okay? Um, it's not that we will not have the Bible. Okay, we might have the Bible. We might have... all the resources available but you know god has to speak to us and it says that god did not answer him either by dreams or by urim you know what urim means revelation there was no revelation of god at all in his life no revelations at all or by prophets and that is the ultimate you know punishment if you will ultimate chastisement is that god does not speak and there was a time in israel's life before john the baptist came there were 300 years of silence before god spoke to man again and uh, let us let us not uh, come to a point in our lives where god stops speaking to us that the prophetic voice ends in our lives and that is very important to have a prophetic voice what is a what is a prophetic word essentially a prophetic word is something uh, which will warn us and prepare us and edify us okay and to prepare not just for the coming days to prepare to meet our god so because that is the ultimate day and when we have if we have lost uh, the prophetic voice in our lives and um, uh, then we then it's the ultimate uh, what is a judgment over our lives and let us not come to a point and therefore don't get offended no when the word comes uh, my my burden is that none of us will get offended okay let not my voice betray um, the heart of god the heart of god is always for his people okay the vessel might be <laughs> absolutely what do you say uh, with a lot of errors and mistakes and we are all earthen vessels but the heart of god is for his people yeah, that he wants them to know his ways he wants to love them he, know, he wants them to know how much he loves them and therefore he wants them he wants he, he wants to have that relationship with them and that by the end of this these days over how many how many other days god ordains for us maybe 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 uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, be a sort of people who will search the scriptures you know we have struggled with god in the scriptures and god would have given each one of us a fresh word and a fresh revelation of himself so that we can we can be sustained in the days to come no uh, and that is only one thing will sustain us the food that we receive from god nothing else man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god and therefore let us have a sufficient deposit of the holy spirit and of the word of god in each one of our lives so that the coming days we'll be able to face them and we'll be able to walk in god's ways and um you'll be prepared so don't get offended okay offense is dangerous blessed are those people who are not offended because of me okay one man of god like art cat says let not my brooklyn accent offend you let not my telugu accent offend you okay so or it might sound a little rough and not very refined but um, the intentions are always uh, to help and not 
to help and to build up and not to pull down. Yeah. So that having said that, let us go to today's word. We looked at yes, uh, like yesterday that God is the sovereign and he's looking for what? Subjects. Mm-hmm. And we know, we looked at, we like the God who's sovereign. I mean, who would act sovereign in our lives in that he would uh, like him to solve our problems or situations, intervene in our situations, or even grant us victory over sin or any evil habit. We like that also. God, grant me the grace to overcome sin or an evil habit because we know those evil habits are destroying us or maybe our bank balance is getting reduced. We don't know. Whatever our intentions are to and say, Lord, this bank balance is getting reduced because of this evil habit. Let me get rid of this evil habit so that I'll have sufficient money. Okay, all that is fine. I'm not saying that those those are not uh, requests that we need to ask of God. But ultimately, God is looking for subjects, disciples, people who are absolutely sold out for him, who don't have any other option. No other option. No other affections at all. Just imagine, irrespective of what age you are, think about this. Just for a few seconds, think about it. You heard from God. How it will change your life. You sought God in the scriptures. And God is not a respecter of persons, right? He speaks to anyone who is open. You sit with him and say, Lord, I want to search you. I want to know you. And God says that in the new covenant. That every one of us will know. Nobody has to teach the other person. No God. Everybody. From the least to the greatest. Irrespective of background. Can know God. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. If you have the heart to search God in the scriptures and cut away everything and say, Lord, I want to know you. And I know some of you who might be elderly, elderly, I mean more uh, elder to me in terms of your age. But I know some some of you who made some tough decisions, right? Who were absolutely determined in some some directions. And you sought God and you sought to do a particular career maybe. I don't know, whatever it is. And you you pursued it and you accomplished it okay why don't you pursue god no i I'm, i was challenged by that book and one of my favorite books i at least i read twice in my life was pursuit of god by aw tozer you know he wrote that book in 8 hours while he was traveling in a train from chicago to some other place where he had a uh, preaching assignment okay the first draft of pursuit of god came through Traveling, in, I mean, when he was traveling from one place to the other, eight hours of travel, and he wrote that book overnight. And that book shaped my life big time. Okay. And you can pursue God. And God is looking for those people who pursue him. And if you draw near to him, oh, he will draw near to you. That's the promise that we have. He's a God who's a rewarder of all those who Seek him diligently. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he is a rewarder of all those who seek him diligently. And therefore, this this time, I want to challenge all of us now. You know, it doesn't matter whether you've been in a ministry or you had a revelation of God. Maybe you should shut in, shut down everything and go and seek the scriptures. Maybe you're a housewife and you don't have the time, but let ask God. God, grant me that grace and the, and the inclination. You know, uh, King David was a layman. But you should see how he made time for God. Yeah, he had time for God. He was busy with all his kingly engagements, but I'm sure he had time for God. Okay. 
And Enoch, I mean, one man of God said, he was also a man who walked with God for 300 years, but he also had a family. It says Enoch walked with God for 300 years and he had what? Ah, sons and daughters. He had sons and daughters after Methuselah too. Okay. So he was busy with family life. But he walked with God. Okay. So see God. It is possible. I'm, ta- I'm, 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 I'm saying, see, uh, otherwise what will happen is when we don't grow, we'll start looking at one another and we'll be, uh, we'll maybe get jealous of one another. Why you know, Why do, why do you want to give those opportunities to yourself? Oh, look at, I mean, it's, it's, it happens to everyone. Suddenly we'll see somebody who's on fire for God and we become, um, Envious. We don't want to be be like that. Everybody can grow. That's exactly what Jesus, God tells Cain. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Simple, sir. Liberating statement. And so the encouragement to I want to give all of us, irrespective of your age, pursue God and you will not regret it. One person who will not disappoint you. Your children might disappoint you, your parents might disappoint you, uh, your boss might disappoint you, your friends might disappoint you. One person will never disappoint. He said, even though you are unfaithful, but he will still remain faithful. You know why? Because he cannot deny himself. That's something which I want to uh, really encourage you uh, in these days. So he's looking for, for what? Loyal subjects who will not just go to God to solve their problems, but who will be loyal to him, would be absolutely sold out to him, will be on fire for him, who would have counted the cost. And Jesus was, lock, was looking for those kinds of people. If you turn to uh, Luke's Gospel chapter 14, and if you can please look at NIV, verse 25 onwards. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. I like that. <laughs> Did you see that, everybody? Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, hate father and mother, you might say, I don't have a father and mother. Hate brothers and uh, wife and children, you would say, I'm not married, what wife and what children. Hate brothers and sisters, you say, I don't have any brothers and sisters. But he says, he says, yes, even your own life. And that is a difficult part. He is not saying that your own life means you are just living a life in this world. You might be doing a lot of ministry also. Okay. You might be doing a lot of charitable deeds or whatever it is. But that is your life. Going in the cold and feeding the poor. Going in, uh, sorry, all kinds of things you can do. But that could be your life. And he says he has to Deny his own life. That life is, of course, the word is soul. His own soul. Life, okay, comes from the Greek word. His own soul. He, what? Cannot be, cannot be my disciple. And that is where the struggle for every one of us. And I believe God brings us all to that point. And, you know, we, our surrender is only, I mean, that, um, uh, we think that we have uh, sufficiently given up all our earthly relationships. May, may not. Okay, we might think that you know we uh, we have uh, given up our own uh, selfish ambitions. Yes, maybe to a certain extent, but there is there are still a lot of vestige of self or a deposit of the self left inside of our hearts, and that has to be um, you know progressively uh, dealt with in our lives so that we can truly, truly become loyal subjects of God. So when the moment he said that, 
crowds began to disperse, get dismissed. And even his own disciples, when the teaching got a little more hard. Okay. That's the most difficult thing. So what are we doing? Searching the scriptures. Sitting at, sitting at his feet and saying, Lord, maybe I was doing ministry. Maybe I was working, I don't know, maybe that was, that was my ministry. It was not possibly your ministry. But I want to come to a point wherein I want to search you and I want to receive a fresh touch of God in my life and I want you to speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. Bring me to that point wherein I would really, really, there will be a semblance of dying to myself and living your life through me. That is the whole purpose of this lockdown. And so what an incredible opportunity. Right? What an incredible opportunity for all of us. Okay. Think about that. Huh? So, God is looking for those subjects. Hmm? But you know something? Um, when you say, I want to read the scriptures, I don't understand, don't worry. He says something very interesting in John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 16. What, what, what does it say? And uh, Onwards, okay. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Who is that? The spirit of the spirit of truth. And the world cannot accept Him. So if you are not of this world and if you have come to a point where you hate the world, you have hope. You know what? The spirit of truth will come to you. Because it uh, because the world will neither see him nor know him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And you know what he says, the next verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Oh, I will come to you. No, many of many of us will think, no, if, I, if it would have been great, if I would have walked with Jesus, especially the road to Amos. Okay, I, I wish wrote, Jesus would walk with me. He would teach me the scriptures. I would have this one-on-one relationship with him. And he would do a Bible study. He would open my understanding. You know what he says? The same spirit. When he comes to you, I would have come to you. And this thing that your orphans will just go out of the window. That's exactly the reason why he says we have not received the spirit of bondage which will take us back to fear, but a spirit of adoption by which we cry out what? Abba Father. The same spirit which is in Christ when we cried out Abba Father and his father heard him. The same same spirit is inside each one of us and they will hear us. And that you need to understand God is with you, my dear brothers. God is with you. Okay, your children might have forsaken you if you're old. But God is with you. He has not left you as orphans. If you're a child of God, He will come to you and say, you know what, I am with you. That's what He tells Isaiah, right? Even to your what? Gray hairs, I am with you. And if you are a young, young man or a young woman who says, Lord, nobody, my parents have forsaken me. Hmm. I am with you, says. I have not left you as orphans. And the same Spirit of God. When he comes into you, you know what? It's as if Jesus is there next to you. That's exactly the reason why Paul had this confidence. You know what? In my first defense, everybody forsook me, but the Lord himself stood by me. He had that experience of having God next to him. And I believe that is that will be true for all of us if we seek him. And that is what God is looking for. So God is, so we're looking at God making us into loyal subjects. No, he's not a respecter of persons. If you seek him, 
you will be fond of him. But you know what? Something very interesting. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9, please. Hmm. <coughs> Jeremiah chapter 9. I'll show you the verse. A very powerful verse. We know this very well. But verse 23 onwards, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, etc. Right? Verse 24. Okay. I want you to look at verse 24. But let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth, for in these things I delight. You know what it says in, in Telugu? Yehovanu parishodhinchu. Parishodhinchu telskolata. You know what parishodhana means? Parishodhana means research. Research him and you will find him. What a beautiful uh, exhortation. We did a lot of research and we found nothing. Very very little we found actually. And we are doing a lot of research on Corona and uh, it is eluding us. It is mutating like crazy. Hmm? <coughs> and at least an year they are saying before the vaccine can come. <laughs> if at all there is a vaccine. Okay. So, we can do a lot of research and not find. But he says, you know what, if you do research, you will find me. What a God he is. That is the reason why he calls us his peculiar position. Peculiar people. What is this peculiar people? You know what peculiar people means? You are my peculiar treasure. I treasure you the most. You are my most important treasure. That's exactly what we hear in the parable of uh, one of the parables that like the, uh, the guy who's, who goes in search and he finds the pearl of great price and he sells everything and he buys this pearl of great price. Now, there are two ways of looking at it. One where God is coming, I mean, when we have uh, been searching for God and we found, we found him and we have forsaken everything and sold out everything and we purchased him. The other way is, God was the one who was coming and looking for us and he found us and he has sold everything, he made himself of no reputation, emptied his bank account completely and he purchased us. Whereas we are his treasure. Okay, so we are looking at God who is now looking at, because we are, he purchased us, he is looking at us, whether we will become loyal to him and be people who will really, really be sold out to his purposes in our lives. And he works on individually, right? All of us individually. Okay, so the beauty of the new covenant is you can have a Haggai and a Zechariah working together. Okay, Haggai is the older prophet, Zechariah is the younger prophet. Who wrote? Who prophesied more? Zechariah prophesied more. Okay, Haggai prophesied less, but they were happy. It says the prophets Haggai and Zechariah encouraged the people to build because when they were slackening off. It never happened in the history of Israel. There was only one prophet at one time. There was only one Elijah. Other prophets shut their mouth. Okay. There was a Nathan. He came and spoke to David. There was a prophet, God, who came and spoke. But God and Nathan didn't work together. But in the new covenant, what God can do is he can work with anybody. Individually he can come. You have to believe this. And I'm telling you with all my heart. Burden for all of us, you know, is that all of us will know him that way. Just imagine a bunch of believers who know God like that. Who are watching each other's back. That will be a 
a sight to behold. Right? Love that demonstrates. Huh? What, what does it say? This, by this shall all know that you are my disciples by the love that you show in demonstration in operation. Ah, in the demonstration and in operation. Okay, so this is the, the moment you start doing it, people said, we want to be a part of this. Yeah, so God is working on us on individually. You are all living stones. Each one is being worked upon, not at the site of the building, but in the quarry. Okay, so that's exactly what is happening. No, the, Generally, we all come together as a church. Now what God has done, he has placed us all in our homes. Okay, so that I don't have to look at your faces. What is that phobia called? Uh, when you, uh, scopophobia. <laughs> scopophobia. <laughs> okay, Jeremiah had a pre- major problem with scopophobia. No, don't, please don't look at my face. He was afraid of people's faces. Okay, the fear of faces. Okay, so you don't, if you are scopophobic, God, you know what God has done? He has shut you all in the, in the, in your home so that you will not be afraid of your pastor, pastor's face. Uh, okay, so that you can have a direct relationship with God and you can have your perennial experience in your homes. That would be awesome. And you come out as a changed people after 40 days of lockdown. Believe that, my dear brothers. The word of God has got power to work in those who believe. Therefore, God is looking for people who will be loyal subjects to him. And you know, we've been looking at um, the the tests of the children of Israel, right? The children of Israel were brought out of Egypt, you know, they didn't have to uh, do anything, they just had to believe in the blood of the Passover lamb and when they believed in the blood of the Passover lamb, they were brought out of Egypt, they came into the promise, came not into the promised land, they came into the wilderness and God gave them the manifesto and before God gave them the manifesto, he started testing them to show them what was in their heart. Okay, so God tested the people but they also, before he tested the people, he prepared a leader. Remember? So before God brought them out, God heard their voice, God heard their groanings, and he visited a leader. And he prepared a leader too. Okay. And that he's a, he's a type in, in, in the old covenant of a person who was absolutely loyal to God. Who's that person? We know him. Okay. Hebrews chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 1 onwards. Actually, 1 and 2, enough. Uh, therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and the high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him just as what? Moses was faithful in God's, in all of God's houses. This is one, one, what do you say? Um, uh, a type or a, or, 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 a, or a prototype, if you will, of a person who became absolutely loyal to God. Was dealt with by God, okay, and he became sold out for God so much so that he literally, you know, what um, was 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 God was literally using him. Uh, like like remember that that statement, right? He says, um, "Let my name be blotted out from the book of life." Okay, um, and God said, "Okay, fine. For your sake, I'm not going to kill them." I mean, he was literally like. Jesus, I mean, he was, an, he, was a, he was in the place of Jesus, literally, right? Jesus was, was one man who was blotted out so that we could be grafted in. He was a type of Jesus. He was, he was the one who was emanating the heart of God through his life. He became one with God. He was thinking like the way God thinks. He was having the kind of heart that God had. And God prepared him. Okay, and he called him 
faithful in God's in all of God's house. Okay, so if you if you again turn with me to uh, Numbers chapter eleven, we know this very well. Verse six. This is what he says about Moses. Now we have lost. Oh, sorry, twelve, twelve, verse six. 12, 12 verse 6. Numbers 12 verse 6. Listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions, speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. He came to a point where God gave this commendation about Moses that this guy is faithful in all my house. Notwithstanding the fact that he was a servant, but he was faithful. I mean, that, that kind of a commendation if you get, will you, will you not be happy? Boy, this guy is faithful. In everybody in my, if I, I see in, uh, let's say GDC, this guy is the most faithful. Kya baat hai? That will be like awesome, isn't it? So, how did he come to that point? Moses had 340 experience. What is that? 340s, okay. Moses had 340s. It doesn't mean that we should, we are not going to live till 120 for sure. Uh, okay, so you don't uh, take it literally as 340s, okay. There are three stages in life. Or at least two stages in his life where God prepared him so that he could make him into a loyal subject. Okay. And during those periods, he was making choices. Okay. You don't become a loyal subject just in one day. Discipleship is a choice. Okay. You have to make a choice. Like Pastor was praying in the morning. He says, every day we have to make a choice. God is a God who doesn't possess us. Okay. Some, we would like to um, think of, you know, uh, we would like a God who would possess us and, 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 and do it. But God doesn't do that. Okay. He is a God who literally has liberated us and he wants us to make the choice to become his slaves, bond servant. That is the reason why Paul says, I am the bond servant of Jesus Christ. In that very term, bond servant, there's a tremendous meaning where this guy has voluntarily given himself to God. Okay. So, there are 340 experience and during those times you make a lot of choices. And some choices are not made by you, are being made by somebody else. So we'll look at all those things today. Uh, the 340 experience, uh, well, let us first read from Acts chapter 7 verses 20 onwards. A few verses, uh, 20 to 27 maybe. At that time Moses was born, he was no ordinary child. For three months he was cared for in his father's house. You are doing NIV? Uh, please go back to... NKJV, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why NKJV and IV, I'll tell you which which one to go to. Um, at this time, Moses was born when he was pleasing to God, he was well pleasing to God and he was brought up in his father's house for three months and he was set out, but when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. Mm, uh, go on, please go on, next verse. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in deeds. Now when he was 40, the first 40. First 40 years old. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Go on. And seeing one of them uh, suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him, who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptians, for he supposed that his brethren, brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. Uh, on the contrary, they said, and the next day he appeared to two of his two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, your brethren, why do you wrong one another? But he who did this to his neighbor, uh, neighbor wrong, uh, did his neighbor wrong, pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? And then, uh, do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons, and when he was... And 40 years old. Okay, 40. So, first 40, second 40. 
and that is when he becomes loyal. Alright. And then in the next 40 he becomes the, after 80 years old, the next 40 years is essentially the life of a loyal servant. But there are two 40s before he becomes, comes to a point wherein he has the, what we call as the um, holy ground experience before he comes to the holy ground experience. But there are certain things which are happening over here. And we will look at two passages of of scripture. We will be looking at um, um, uh, Acts chapter 7 verse 20 onwards and Hebrews chapter 11 verse 23 onwards as well. So let us go back to Acts chapter 7 verse 20 and let's read verse 20 only first. We'll just look at the first 40 years of his life. At this time, Moses was born and he was well pleasing to God. Okay, well now this is a very interesting verse in NKJV. The word pleasing to God is not given in the original. Okay, uh, just put, that is the reason why I just put NIV over here or ESV maybe. ESV is fine. ESV is good. Okay, no, no, no. 720. Hmm. At this time, Moses was born. Uh, this is again NIV. ESV or NIV then. NIV, just NIV. Yeah, at this time Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. That's the origin. Exceedingly fair. Other translations we KJV uses the word, huh? Exceedingly fair. Hmm? Uh, okay, and was nourished up in his father's house for three months. Now go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. Okay. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a, that he was a the same but beautiful child and exceedingly fair. It, it occurs only twice in the entire uh, New Testament. This word beautiful child and that word exceedingly fair are the same. And they were not afraid of the king's command. The first 40 years of his life begins with his parents. Okay, What do they see? They see that the child is exceedingly fair. Now, the word in God's sight has been added. <laughs> Why? Because uh, in the New Testament, we don't see uh, beauty in the outward. Right? That is the reason why beautiful in God's sight has been added. Okay, fine. That is okay. I, I, and uh, they say it, bec- uh, it was added because of Calvin. Calvin was the one who who added that part. But fine. We don't have to argue about it. It says that uh, they saw that he was exceedingly fair. Beautiful child. Okay. The point is this to all parents. Are your children beautiful in your sight? What do you mean by that? When you have a child, okay, I'm talking to believing believing parents. It says in Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 20. Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 20. Moreover, you took your sons and your daughters whom you bore to me. That is the reason why they are beautiful. Okay. What did you do? These you sacrificed them to be devoured. Where your acts of harlotry a small matter. We, we have children. Okay. And this is to all parents. Okay. Disciples are not born. In a day, in that, like that. Okay, this is uh, especially if you are, if you are, uh, if you are a believing parent. Okay, yes, God is sovereign. I don't d- disagree to that. But if you have believing children, this is something which you need to understand. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse fourteen. 
Look at what it says. Very important principle. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the children. Otherwise your children would have been unclean. But now they are what? You know what holy means? Set apart. Set apart. It is not. It does not mean that they are already uh, children of God. They have been set apart. And that's exactly what Amram and Yoshibal, Amram and Yoshibal do. They look at the child and they say that, you know what? God has given us a child and there is a God-given destiny for this child. And all our children, every one of our children has a God-ordained destiny. And it is up to our parents to do three things, at least. First thing that they did was they hid him. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 23. They hid him for how many months? For three months. Okay. That is a three months is a time. Okay. But they hid him. Okay. They concealed him. Okay. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 49 verses 1 to 4. In NKJV. Okay. Listen, O coastlands to me and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb. This is talking about Jesus, of course. From the matrix of my mother, he has made mention of my name. Okay. And Paul says, it pleased God who called me even before I was in my mother's womb. So we, we all uh, fall into this category in some sense. Okay. And he made, and he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft in his quiver he hidden me. There are two hidden means over here. The first thing is to withdraw and the second thing is to conceal. The first hidden is to withdraw and the second thing is to conceal. Okay. What is withdrawing from where you withdraw him from the influences of this world and you conceal him by giving him care. Both are important. Attention. Love and discipline, both are absolutely important for a child. You have to withdraw him and you have to conceal him. So for all parents, including myself, our children have to be withdrawn for a period of time for whatever those three months stand for. Okay, they have to be withdrawn and they have to be concealed. Okay, so first thing, and this is a choice that you have to make by what? By faith. Why? Because you see your child is what? Exceedingly beautiful. I mean, there's a saying in Telugu, kaki pilla, kaki ki muddu. Meaning, for even a, I mean, a crow's child looks very precious in the sight of the crow. Okay, so that is only for, as far, in as far as the, um, the animal kingdom is concerned. For us, we are not only looking at our child, oh, she is so precious. In my side, no. They are precious because God has given them to us for a season. And they have to fulfill their God-ordained destiny. And therefore, what am I supposed to do as a parent? If I truly not love them first, if I truly love God first, what am I going to do to them? I am going to withdraw them and I am going to conceal them. Very important. Don't expose your children to the world. 
withdraw them as much as my goodness what what how people take these things lightly that when I mean, when the child you know is able to handle the camera or the cell phone or the ipad oh this oh enta intelligent you some order ayyo you don't understand you don't understand there are so many other things and I, in fact the study has shown that people who get attracted to gadgets they have very little attention spans um, uh, i've seen that in my own school no my own school has become a, a what do you call it, as an experimental setup including my children all all children everybody okay i'm not exalting anyone hmm? uh, i'm just looking at them objectively okay one of the things that i've seen people who are exposed to media a lot they have very little attention span very little especially they get attracted to cartoons okay like uh, what is that uh, tom and jerry because tom is in frame number 1 he's here next frame is here next frame is there next frame is here so that fellow has to do like this 23 frames per second okay and so what happens he is like this so by the time he comes to class he is like this shaking he is absolutely no attention span at all but on the contrary i've seen they can learn anything very fast they are like a sponge you will be stunned as to what you can teach your children what you people all your elders will take let's say two or three months of of learning they can grasp like this okay i started teaching them telugu poems none of them come from telugu background they are all english in telugu english people in telugu families okay and i started teaching them and some of them of course uh, they come from different backgrounds started teaching them within what a span of 10 days they were able to memorize and speak out with clarity some of the most difficult poems that even like children from normal conventional schools find it difficult to you know pronounce i'm not i'm not boasting i'm telling you honestly i've experimented with the children and i said boss it is easy to teach children forget the adults let's take care take care of children no this is a better place to start because they are more receptive it's very very important for us to understand you they can grasp things like sponge they can learn things like that but the problem is what we have done is we have not made this choice of withdrawing people from the your children from the world and hiding them both have to be have to take place it is just not withdrawing them and just leaving them like that you have to hide them means you have to you have to protect them you have to you have to, you have to nurture them that's exactly what it, what it says in in um, in uh, in um, hebrews chapter 11 it says they hid the child in acts chapter 7 verse 20 look at what it says all right uh was can you put it in, in in the niv please niv yeah 720 in niv okay uh at, at that time moses was born he was no ordinary child for 3 months he was cared for you know the word is cared for comes from from the from the hebrew word or the greek word which means nourished he was nourished for in his father's house okay sir no you're just checking very good okay, you're trusting me right okay <laughs> okay so he he was nourished for 
KJV uses the word nourished, yeah? He was nourished up in his father's house. Nourished up in his father's house. It's very important for us to understand. You, you have to nourish them. The three months of nourishment is so important. What, not just what you feed the children, uh, that is also important by the way. I've seen that if you give them a high sugar diet, when they come to school, they're not able to concentrate. What do their people, children, um, parents do? Milk, bone vita, boost, everything full high, high in sugar. It has an adverse effect on the on the functioning of the child. I'm telling you honestly. I'm talk. I'm speaking from experience. I'm not speaking some something which is from my head. I've, I had like what uh, ten or six, uh, eight children in my in my in my school. Everybody can sings Hebrew songs just like that. They learned the Hebrew alphabet. Oh, Charan was there for within one month. He learned the Hebrew alphabet so well. I would write words. In Hebrew, and he would be the first to pronounce them. You don't have to believe me. You can ask Pastor. It's already also on YouTube. You put it up on YouTube. Why? This is amazing. What you can teach the child when he's young, nourish them when you are young. So important. And if you had parents who did that for you, you are blessed. I mean, I was blessed because I had parents who nourished me like that when I was a kid. Memorize so many things which I memorized. I mean, I I, uh, I memorized so many poems when I was growing up. Okay, I might have forgotten them, but when I go and refresh them, it just comes back naturally to me. Okay, so important for us to be nourished. So just not just withdrawing them, but to conceal them in that you nourish them. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter six and verse four. Look at what it says. Ephesians chapter six, verse four. Hmm? And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Both are important. Training and admonition of the Lord. So there's a, there's, that is, that is how disciples are made. They just don't come out like that. Especially in these last days. I'm telling for believing parents, of course. Unbelieving parents, we just have to pray. And God will possibly sovereignly, uh, you know, touch them. And I'm, I'm not looking at all those things. No, I'm talk, just talking to people who are believing parents, including myself. They nourished him. Okay. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. In what should you nourish this, nourish them? Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. Okay. When I call to remember the genuine faith that is in you. Which dwelt first in your grandmother Louis. You know what Louis means? Agreeable. And your mother Eunice. You know what mean, uh, Eunice means? Good victory. Louis and Eunice. Agree- Louis taught agreeable, agreeable things and Eunice made sure that Timothy would come first in the class. I think I'm just reading into that. Okay. So genuine faith that is in you. Which was found in your grandmother and in your mother. And what did they teach you? 315, 2 Timothy. It's amazing. And that from childhood, you have known the what? The holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation period. Through faith in Jesus Christ. So what did they teach them? They taught them the revelation of Jesus Christ. That it is only through putting your faith in Jesus Christ you will be saved. That is what both Louis and Eunice taught Timothy. That is the reason why in Acts chapter 16, turn there, in verse 1, if I'm right. 
uh, one second. Where, uh, six and seven, no? Yeah, see. Sixteen? Yeah. You are showing success. Okay. And and he came to Derby and Lystra and behold a certain... Oh, he was already a disciple by then. Was there named Timothy. The son of a certain Jewish woman who believed but his father was Greek. But you know what? Unbelieving spouses sanctified by the believing spouse and therefore Timothy was what? Set apart. Timothy was taught the scriptures and by the time Paul met him, he was already a what? A disciple. So discipleship doesn't start in church, it starts in home. You need to understand. Therefore, there's a, there's a withdrawal and there is a nourishment that has to happen. Both these things are absolutely important. Withdrawing. So in order to withdraw, first of all, the parents have to withdraw. Okay. After we had our children... Or we had all withdrawal. And we had for several months withdrawal symptoms also. We were craving, oh, we can we go there, we can go there. Oh, but what about the children? Yeah, we have to start thinking. We have to make those choices. Withdraw them from the world and nourish them in the ways of God. Both. And whatever time that, that three months is only a figurative time. You know why that is important? So, and how did they do this? They did it by faith, not fearing the king's edict. Why? I'll tell you. I just wrote this down. The whole world system is established, or the whole world establishment is against children. Okay, in the in bringing up their children in the ways of the Lord. In order to bring up children, you will have to make some tough decisions. It's a choice. It's a choices of faith. You have to make a choice. You cannot be afraid of the ruler of this world. The world's, you know, what, what does the world mean? Okay, if you take, make these choices for your children, uh, your salary will get reduced, uh, two, two jobs you need, uh, look at the cost of living, oh my goodness, agar we don't have two jobs, two homes, two cars, two everything, then how will we raise up our children? You have to make some real tough decisions. You cannot be afraid. The ruler of this world, the entire world system is only putting pressure. It is never conducive for spiritual growth. I told you, right? Isaac has to grow in the midst of famine. What is famine? Something which is opposed to spiritual growth. Hmm? So you have to make tough decisions. You cannot be afraid of the of the king's command, of the world's World system. I mean, for example, in places like Germany, if you send your children to, if you don't send them to send the children to public schools, they will come and take their, take your children. You don't even have a right. So what do you do in those situations and circumstances? As long as you have him, maybe till six years of your, uh, maybe six, if the sixth year they have to enter into school, uh, there it's actually six years. You enter into school. But by the time you're six years there with you, boy, do whatever it takes to ensure that they know God. But how is it? Do, do all parents take this seriously? No. And before you know it, they're gone. The choices might seem very difficult. And it will cost you. When I'm saying it will cost you, I'll tell you it will cost you. Financially, it will cost you. It will cost you. It will cost you. 
So you have to make a choice between what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and one soul. And he who wins souls is wise. And whose souls have been entrusted into our hands, our own children's souls have been entrusted into our hands. You have to make tough decisions. But you know what? You make those tough decisions, they will have just not temporal consequences, but eternal consequences. Think about it, no? Yamram and Yamram, Yamram and Amram, sorry, Amram and Yoshebel, they made a decision to hide Moses. Was it difficult? Absolutely. Were they risking their lives? Absolutely. But did they, but they, did they make a choice? Absolutely. But you know what? Because as a result of that, you had a man of God who wrote the first five books of the Bible, which is become the law. It has become the source for law in many, many places in every country virtually. The law is based on the Mosaic law. On the Judeo-Christian law. Not only temporal consequences, but what? Heaven and earth will pass away, but not even my yacht and tittle in my law will pass away. Can you imagine just one small decision of hiding my child for whatever three months? There's a short period of time. When you consider that eternal consequences of those small choices that you make, they will always look on. That is the reason why it is it is important that we walk by faith. Okay. Uh, first, second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 verses 15 and 16 okay last two verses okay chapter 4 and the last two verses last two verses yes for our light affliction and it will be a light affliction when you make those choices for your children and when you have to suffer financially you may have to move into a house uh, where it is only one bedroom boy you think children are concerned about it I'm telling you Honestly, from experience, children are not really concerned about that. They don't value those things as important as they value their parents that they love each other and they love God. Yeah. Once they see, you know, just then I have some kind of a argument. They say, why are you not talking to mommy? Why are you not talking to daddy? And there is a sense, that there's a kind of fear that they experience. That they go through it. What's going on? They don't want things. They would gladly exchange home for things, for sure. What they want to see is that, that, that stability in the home. And for that, would you have to make choices? Oh yeah. Especially, I mean, I can tell you from my own personal experience that when we had our first child, my wife said, I'm going to quit my, quit our job. I was so upset with that. So upset with that decision. Until the Lord started, you know, rebuking me and working on me. So those are not easy decisions to make. But you have to pay those prices. That price. That there's a cost to be paid. You know why? It's a light affliction. You know why? It is working for us. He doesn't say in us. For us, a far more exceedingly. You know what he's, t- he's telling? You know what he's telling uh, the Corinthian church? The light and momentary affliction that I'm going through, it is working for all of us as a church. That is what he's saying. I'm going through this light and momentary affliction. I'm making these decisions in my life. I'm not looking at the 
things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. And even as I'm doing it, doing it, I'm being persecuted. It's not easy for me to make it, but it is working for all of us as a church. Can you imagine? Did it, did it not happen that way? The kind of decisions God had to, that he had to make, Paul had to make. And then he was put in prison. Thank God he was put in prison. And when he was put in prison, he wrote those letters. And because he even went through those kind of afflictions, is it, has it not worked for us as a church? Did it not? So when we are looking at our own children, we are just not looking at them. And us, it's, we are looking at the whole body of Christ and the church at large could be affected. You have to believe it by faith. I mean, they may not be very um, visible in terms of their, in the, in terms of the ministry. Okay. But wherever God has called them, they will be effective. And if you make a choice like that for them, I'm telling you, my faith is this. It's uh, as it is, uh, Jesus says, no, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. My faith is this. You know what? My children, all of our children, who are taught by the Lord, who have been withdrawn from the world, and who have been hidden by us, they will be found ten times better than the things in the, than the people in the world. They'll be found ten times. If may, may not be in talent, but in, in terms of character, in terms of tenacity, in terms of determination, in terms of uh, endurance, in terms of hard work, in terms of values, in terms of ethics, they will be found ten times better. And you know what? It, it is God who gives wisdom. That's why it says God gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understanding and God gave Daniel uh, understanding a special gift in dreams it is the one it is we we are, we are doing it because we have faith in God we want to honor God and you make those decisions you know something our children will not only affect the world temporally but eternally you know you have these uh, um, hundred most influential people in the world no one of my batch uh, classmates um, or not club classmates, batchmates. When I was working in a lab in Canada, brilliant guy, extremely brilliant fellow. Okay, and he's uh, done a lot of research. And so, and after a while, I mean, I, I we were shocked by the way he was he used to do research, no. And then he was he became the hundred most influential people in the world. He was we was at least in 2016 when I was looking him up on the internet. Um, I said, looked at him and I said, boy, hundred most influential people in the world. Now we are looking at temporal influence. <laughs> Look at God's top 100 most influential people in the world. It says the New Jerusalem city will have uh, 12 pillars. And who are those 12 pillars? 12 apostles. And who are these 12 apostles? 12 of them, 11 of them are fishermen. One intellectual. Eternal consequences. 12 most influential people in the world. <laughs> For sure. Apostle Paul is there. You see? That is how we look at it. No? They will have, they will impact eternity, not temporally. It could have, it could work out in the temporal level. I'm not saying that. Or it may not happen, but sure, for sure. Those who sow in the spirit will reap in eternal life, for sure. So, there's a time for hiding them. There's a time for nourishing them. And we have to do it by faith, not fearing the king's edict. The rulers of this world are against the decisions that Christians and people of God make. They are not conducive. And they are not going to say, oh, you, you are doing to homeschool your children? Fantastic, I am going to give you a government grant. No. There will not be any government grant for that. 
I'm not saying whether you have to homeschool or your children. That is not what I'm talking about. That is your decision. But this is important. Hiding them, nourishing them, and ensuring that you do it without fearing the king's edict. Whichever tool you use, sending them to private school will achieve this objective. Go ahead and do it. But these, these things have to be achieved. Whatever tool that you do. And everything has to be done by faith. Already? Okay, then the next step. First, for three months, he was hidden in his father's home. Then what happens? Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 7 and let's read verse 20 and 21 together now. At this time, Moses was one and was well-pleasing to God. Okay, he was exceedingly fair, well-pleasing to God. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him. And brought him up as her own son. Kya baat hai? Okay. There will be a time when our children will go into the world. There will be. Maybe God. It is not if they go into the it is when they will go. They will go into the world. If you don't, if you try to hide him like Benjamin, <laughs> God will create a famine and send him out. Okay. There will be a time when our children will have to go into the world and they will be brought up like Pharaoh's children. Okay. 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 Brought up. Now he's like, he's gone. See, I tell Emanuela, I look at her first when we were growing up, she was a small baby. Maybe I was, I think she was class two or something. I told her, class one. I said, Emanuela, you may be having Christian parents, but does not mean that you're a Christian. Unless and until you are born again. She looked at his mother and me and she said, I should be born again. That's what he said. As if it was her mother bore her. I know how many hours of labor she was in the labor room. Okay, for labor. Almost like, almost 24 hours in the labor room before Emmanuel came out. Okay. I also, by the time I came out of that theater, I was so disoriented because I could only hear that the heartbeat like that, no? When I was driving the car, I was it was like that. So, <laughs> so it was it was not easy, you know. Uh, so I told her, I told her, uh, you're still not my, you're still not a Christian until and until you become a child of God. You have to become born again. Okay. So the whole idea is to take them to the point where they will be born again. Okay. So before that, I believe, you know what will happen? There will be a time where they will be Pharaoh's son. Okay. They still haven't come of age, if you will, if you will. But let us look at verse 22 of Acts chapter 7. And Moses was learned or trained in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. And many of the times, what will you focus, when you look at verse 22, which word will you focus? Where will your eyes fall? Let me see. Hmm? Okay, that's fantastic. What do you think, uh, doctor? All. What do you say? 
Thank you. Thank you. See, all of our eyes will fall. Are I don't want the wisdom of Egyptians. I don't want the mighty words of this world. I don't want to read deeds of this world. I want to hide my child. If you focus on that, you are losing the whole point. Focus on the learned. Okay. You know the word learned comes, very interesting, thank you, comes from the Greek word pedeo, from which we get the pedagogy, pediatrician, etc, etc, etc. Which means chastisement or discipline or training or instruction. So the learning, that process is important. What they have learned is immaterial. God is not going to use the wisdom of Egyptians, for sure. He has to destroy the wisdom of the Egyptians. God is not going to use the mighty words of the Egyptians, the deeds of the Egyptians, but he's going to use this learning. You need to understand that. What we call, in other words, chastisement. What does it mean? Our children have to go through strict rigor and discipline and study. Don't ever make life easy for them. Okay. It is not important how they fare in terms of the coming first in the class, rank rank one, MIT, JE, Harvard, okay. Getting that is all. I'm not saying that we should they should not get it. Okay, God willing. If they're getting it, let them get it. No problem. I'm not against that. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not against that. I'm not for that, but I'm for learning. Our focus will become, so become, we become over spiritualized. I mean, the spiritual part is learning. Learning is a spiritual part. You need to understand whatever you do, that's what it, it says in Ecclesiastes. It says, whatever you find your hands to do, do it because in the grave, they'll know, there'll not be any opportunity to do anything. That was Solomon's take. What is your take? Is important. The learning part is important. The discipline part is important. The instruction part is important. The chastisement part is important because that is something which you will carry forward. You think um, fishermen, why did God choose fishermen? Not because they were brilliant, but they had this one attitude. They never gave up. And you know what God said? I need people who not give up. People who are hardworking. Peter was found twice. First time he was found, he was found, he caught, he worked all night and he fought, and he caught nothing. But that, that is important. Working all night is important. Was he sincere? Was he found at his post? Was he looking for a catch? He was looking, but did he give up? No, he did not. There's a discipline that comes through learning. And God is, that is what God is looking for. He was looking, he's looking for the process of learning. So concentrate on those things. That those things are important. The learning is important for all of us. What we did in our secular realm may not God may, may God may not use those things, but He will use the disciplines that we have that we have uh, developed in our secular field. Oh, uh, uh, I will think like an engineer. No, no, no. It's not thinking like an engineer that is important. To think is important. <laughs> you see, the discipline of thinking, the discipline of not giving up. That is the reason why problem solving is such an important discipline. 
We don't give things easily to our children, right? Solve it. Oh, I'm not getting it. Try. Oh, I tried so many times. Try again. Oh, my hands are paining. Let it pain. One, one, one child, na? Oh, from here to here, my hands are paining. <laughs> you know, they are like that. But, but what we do? He said, yes, honey, I understand. But Jesus put his hands stretched on the cross like this. He didn't say, my father, from my head to toe, my hands are paining. He didn't say that. Did he say? No, he did not say. Oh, okay, okay. I will do it now. See? Don't give up. Boy, those things are very, very important. You set those, those are mindsets. Okay. Where you pursue with certain things over and over and over again. No, That's the reason why those four animals are so important. The ant, the badger, the something, the, the locust which has no king and the, and the spider. Okay. Locust which has no king, the badger which is, which is, which hides itself in the clefts of the rock and, uh, and the spider, which never gives up. Oh, so important. That is the reason why he says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and learn to be wise, who having no overseer, judge or ruler. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Look at that. Verse and 6 and 7. Consider her ways in which, which having no captain, no overseer, no ruler. Captain means the one who is giving her orders. Overseer means the one who is a manager. Ruler means who is judging. Meaning who is uh, supposed to, I mean like you know, uh, we have what we call as uh, uh, employee, uh, uh, employee grievances division. Ants don't have employees grievances division. My manager is such a pain. He doesn't do this to me. He, 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 nothing of that sort. No captain, no overruler, no, no, no overseer. No Mazdur union. Nothing. Can you imagine? Ants don't have these three fellows and, <laughs> and men have all these three and still they don't work hard. Important. Hmm? So these are disciplines that we need to learn. The learning process is important, not what they have learned. Whether, whether, whether those things, of course, God says the wisdom of the world is foolishness. But the process? Are you going to give up the process? No, he's going to use the process. For this man to hear clearly 50 chapters of Genesis. I mean, that was something, it was revealed to him. Exodus 30 onwards is his history. He can, at least he can have some people who can, uh, who can, who can say, yeah, 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 this is what happened in our lives. But what about Genesis 1? Genesis 2? Genesis 3? Genesis 4, 5? Until Noah, all the flood is, flood is destroyed. There is no trace of anybody who can trace the history. Nobody is there. Everything is gone. And precisely to be able to know that history and to be able to articulate it, can you imagine how much of discipline is required? He was trained for all of that. It's not that God, yes, God uses the foolish things of the world. Absolutely. It is not that 
God is going to use me because of the talents that I have or of the learning that I have, that I have obtained. God can give it. I'm not saying that, but that is also there. The learning process we should never, never, ever, ever overlook. That is important. Because we'll carry that everywhere, no? We'll carry that everywhere, isn't it? When you learn your subject, don't you carry it? How do you study your subject? How do you study it? Whether you you study it, okay, let me just pass. Please, don't do that. That is a very bad attitude. Calculation mistakes. Bad attitude, I tell Abigail. Abigail, calculation mistake is a bad habit. No, I know the answer. I know the process. But it is not going to help you. These are simple, simple things which you carry. It's little, little things matter. Yeah? Doing your work on time. Not giving up. Working for long hours. Okay. Ensuring that you get value for money. Huh? Important, right? Parents have invested so much of money into your education. What are you doing? These are all ethics. If we, we develop those things because we carry that into the kingdom again. Stewardship. These are all stewardship principles. Because God is going to ask also, no, account for all that he has given us, right? The deposit of the Holy Spirit, what did you do? The talents that I have given you, what did you do? The learning part. Alright, let's go back now. Training is important. Chastisement is important. Don't just concentrate on the wisdom part, but concentrate on the learning part. Discipline of hard work, work ethics. The wisdom of the world is not the point. The learning part is the point. Alright, and he was... Taken by Pharaoh's daughter. Now was being given an identity called Pharaoh's son kind of an identity. He was learned in all the ways of the Egyptians until Hebrews chapter 11 verse 24. By faith, Moses when he became of age. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 24. Hebrews chapter 11. We are looking at both these passages parallelly, okay? Can I have a top-up if you don't mind? If there is. Sorry, thank you. Okay. So, until he comes, by faith, when he became of age, he refused to be called so till that point there was a learning which was going on yeah you understand what I'm saying so there's hiddenness there is nourishment train up a child in the way that he should go but once you have deposited that there could be a time wherein they are what Pharaoh's son but they will come a point in his life by faith He'll say, I'm no longer Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, uh, son of Pharaoh's daughter. A picture of embracing our identity in Christ. A picture of being born again into the kingdom. 
It is by faith he did it. Right? By faith. So by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a, it is a gift of God. So it, something of new birth has happened over here. Uh, as a type of it, if you will. And he begins to embrace his new identity now. So till that point, there was a training. And God knows what that 40 years is. It could be, this was 40 years for him. It could be less than that. I mean, so for sure it has to be less than the nonsense. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, as fast as, as, as our children can accept the Lord, they should be. Right now they are getting trained and they are still Pharaoh's son only. I mean, even though they are our children. In some sense they are, no? So there will come a point where they will refuse to be called Pharaoh's daughter. Alright? He embraced his new identity. This is important for us. And we have to pray that this thing happens for our children as soon as possible. Yes. As soon as possible. Okay. That they will become children of the living God. And then of course, next verse. Verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 11. Choosing. I know he begins to make choices. In connection with his what? New identity. I told you, faith is a bunch of choices. No, parents made the choices for him. After a while, he was taken by the world and they didn't have any control over the choices of the son. And now, God has sovereignly intervened in his life and he has become a child of the living God. Now he's beginning to make choices in conjunction with his new identity. That is the point. Choosing to suffer. Okay. I'm telling you something. Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sinning. Now he's thinking about this. He's thinking, what has happened to this man? Something drastic has happened. Choosing to rather suffer affliction with the people of God. That means, now he's making a choice to identify himself with the people of God who are sojourners and exiles in the world and who's, who are, who the world is entirely contrary to them. And he's saying, you know what? This is what is my identity. I'm not going to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. But the next verse, verse 26, I will esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. But how? He looked at the reward. That's the point. Now he has got vision. He has got vision. He looked for the reward. Okay. See, people think that in Christianity, life is boring. Life is not rewarding. You do not know. It says in, it turned there. We looked at it several times. Second Corinthians chapter 8. I just sometimes wonder, this is only a supernatural experience, okay? And it is put in scripture, therefore it can be ours, our experience too. That's the, that's the whole point. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. Okay, one onwards. Moreover, brothers, 
we we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches in Ma- of Macedonia, that in a great trial of what he chose to suffer the affliction of God's people, these people also started to experience great trial of affliction. But you know what? That they had what abundance of great joy, and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Look at the contrast. Super it is. This is Christianity. Isn't it? You experience joy when you give, don't you? I mean, if you're truly a believer, when you have given something, somebody secretly, and God has used you to really bless somebody, isn't that an amazing experience? Why? Isn't it true? That is the reason why God, Papa, uh, Paul tells in Acts chapter 20, he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay. It's a joy of giving. There's a joy which comes because when you, when you, when you deny yourself, uh, worldly passions and ungodliness, and when you pursue righteousness and holiness, and when you, when you're, when you have contentment with godliness with contentment, and you give away as much as you can to the work of the ministry, and you have tremendous joy that you experience, and it is for all of us, my dear brothers. All of us can experience a joy. And why, why I believe what the, one of the reasons why we are not very joyful is because we don't give much. That is precisely the reason why we don't have joy. Give and you'll know how to experience greater joy. Okay. So he chose to have and and by the way, Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. You know what it says? Yes, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But let me tell you something. Godliness is a choice. It is a choice. It is a deliberate choice that we have to make. Suffering in the flesh is a choice. Okay. That is the reason why Paul tells, I die daily. It's a choice that we make every day. It is a choice that you make, uh, get up in the morning. You know, I, I remember Edward Williams, you know, in one of his uh, teachings, I mentioned it sometime back too. Uh, he was, uh, he, he, his mother was dying just a few minutes before she was passing away. She called him to her room and, uh, and he, she said, Edward, I know God is using you mightily, but I want to give you three, what is her? Suggestions or lessons I want to tell you before I before I go to my, go to go home. First thing, whenever people call you for any meeting, don't say how many people are coming and where is the meeting being held. Just give the date. If you're, if the dates are available, just give the dates because he's an, he's an evangelist. Okay. Second, he says she says because you're a man of God, people will call you call you to their house and feed you. But when your stomach is still a little empty, stop eating. Because only when you have a burning stomach, you'll have a burning heart for souls. I was, I was stunned. And the third thing she said, when you're sleeping and when your body says, another five minutes I will sleep, that is the time for you to get up. Three lessons before she passed away. I was stunned. It is, it's suffering. Affliction. I humbled myself with fasting. 
There is an affliction of the soul. There is an affliction in the flesh. That is the reason why Paul tells, I beat my body to subjection. I bring it, I, you know what it means? Smash it. In other words, I will say, you, body, you are not my master, I am your master. Like Derek Quinn said, right? He was fasting one day, by the end of the fast, his stomach was groaning and he was yearning for food and he looked at his stomach and he said, you stomach, you trouble me so much throughout the day, I'm going to punish you, I'm not going to eat this night also. No wonder those people are men of God, who have been mightily used of God. And these are the principles we need to learn. There's an affliction. There's a choice. Isn't it? Isn't it a choice? Getting up in the morning, isn't it a choice? Isn't it a choice? Of all the alarms that we put, it's a choice that we want to make at least, no? In, my, in the church office after I came, I can hear at least 60, five or six alarms between 3.30 to 6.30. Five or six alarms are going off with different, different intensities. Huh? <laughs> okay, it's okay, no problem. Yeah, it's it's important. At least you have an inclination to make a choice. If you are making it or not, it's a secondary thing. But at least you have this inclination. Okay, I would get up. Okay, these are. See, in order to do this, we have to deny ourselves so many things. For example, if I have to get up in the morning, let's say by three thirty, four o'clock, I have to make a choice that. You know, I don't want to spend time in the night looking at stupid things, browsing the internet, watching COVID uh, videos, where is the COVID tracker going, taking, etc. It's not going to help me in my preaching the next day. I'm getting worried and looking at Fox News and this news and that news. Go to bed early. As fast, get at least, at least three to four hours of sleep so that you're fresh and you're able to work. You know, those are the choices that you make. And there's an affliction. That is the reason why he, is, he who has suffered in the flesh, you have to learn suffering. Choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God. I have to suffer affliction for the people of God so that if, I, if I'm not doing it, think about it, no? The pastor says I might have a gift, but if I don't work, <laughs> what am I going to give you? Work on the word, study. and To get what to preach itself is a big struggle. You have 25 different topics to choose from. Should I emphasize on this? Should I emphasize on that? That's a struggle. You hear from God. And then you start typing. And then God starts revealing stuff. These are, these are choices that you make. It doesn't happen automatically. Godliness is a choice. Okay. Faith is a choice. Choosing to f. Uh, uh, choosing affliction with the people of God rather than choosing the passing pleasures of sin. Okay, why did you? How could he do that? Because he look, looked ahead of the to the reward. Fine, fantastic. Okay, it's a choice. Then let's go back to Hebrews uh, chapter seven. Twenty-seven uh, and twenty-six. Seventy-six and twenty-seven. So 11, 11, 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Sorry. Hebrews chapter 11. Sorry, sorry, bro. Yeah. 11, 26. Yeah. Esteeming. 
the reproaches of Christ greater than the church, the, than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked for the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Oh no, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Did he not flee? If you read the Exodus account, he was scared. He said, this thing is known and he ran. But that's interesting that scripture says he did not fear the wrath of the king. And if there's a full stop over there, then I can I can understand. Thank God there's no full stop. What is there? A colon. Why? For he endured as seeing him who was invisible. He was looking at the cross or Christ and therefore he didn't have to fear the wrath of the king. The moment you take your eyes off God, you will begin to start fearing. And that happens by faith. That is the reason why it's faith. Okay. It's important for us to understand these things. The moment you take your eyes off God, Lord, if it is you, bid me come, said Peter. Oh, he started walking on the water. As long as his eyes was on Jesus, no problem. The moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he begins to sink. And he says, Lord! And he says, what happened to your faith? Exactly. What happened to your faith? You know, it's very interesting, right? Uh, yesterday it says that Eliezer wondered. Can God wonder? Can God marvel? I believe so. He looked at the centurion's faith and he said, he marveled at the, at the faith of the centurion. He said, I have never seen such faith. No, not in Israel. And then when his own people don't recognize, don't, uh, don't uh, accept his ministry, he marvels at their what? Unbelief. Both. So we can cause God to wonder. Which way are we causing him to wonder? By faith or unbelief? Okay. So by faith, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured the what? The wrath of the king. He endured. Therefore, he didn't have to fear the wrath of the king. And he forsook Egypt. What is forsaking of Egypt? Forsaking now the wisdom, the the treasures, the wealth, the position, the the value systems, everything he had to forsake before the next forty happens. So this is the first forty years of his life. Till the time he forsakes. Then comes the next forty. We'll go to the next forty? Okay, let's go to the next forty, no? Before we go to the next 40. What is it? What You know what is this called? Forsaking Egypt. You know? It's a very interesting, uh, uh, what do you say? A parallel or, or rather description of, the, of, of this forsaking and accepting in the Bible. What is it? Excuse me? No. Forsaking Egypt and accepting God. Forsaking Egypt, Egypt and accepting God. What is it? Thank you so much, Dr. Richard. 
तू आप तो ब्रिलियंट हो तू सी ग्रेट हो एफिशियंस चैप्टर फोर वर्स सेवेंटीन ऑनवर्ड थैंक यू वेरी मच यू सी रियली रियली आई एम आई हैव टू यू थिंकिंग लाइक द वे आई वाज थिंकिंग इन द मॉर्निंग एफिशियंस चैप्टर फोर वर्स सेवेंटीन ऑनवर्ड राइट देयरफॉर आई से देयरफॉर एंड टेस्टिफाई इन द लॉर्ड दैट यू शुड नो लॉन्गर वॉक as the gent- rest of the gentiles walk in the futility of their mind what when he was forsaking Egypt, what he was doing he was refusing to walk like the rest of the gentiles in the futility of their minds having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of christ no he, re- he has refused to call himself the son of pharaoh's daughter as long as he was he was the pharaoh's daughter he was alienated from the life of god now when he refuses to call himself call himself the pharaoh's daughter he is now joined to the life of god Now he is not no longer ignorant. He knows because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Now his heart is not blind anymore. Move on, move on. Who being far, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness. But you have not so learned what Christ. He esteemed the reproaches of Christ. So that means he is beginning to learn what Christ, and then go on. if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him and as the truth is in jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts and be renewed in the what of your mind in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new ma- new man which was created according to god in true righteousness and holiness this is the process okay that is reason why in um, in uh, romans chapter 13 uh, verse 11 onwards look at this last two verses 11 onwards as three verses if you will and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep tondra galevandi for now our salvation is nearer than when it was when we first believed and then it goes on to say the night is far spent the day is at hand okay the day is hand like yesterday pastor was saying no in the evening time between night and day okay god comes and visits us be prepared therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us let us put on the armor of light let us walk properly as in the day not in revelry and drunkenness not in lewdness and lust not in strife and envy and it says put off put on the lord jesus christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts so that's exactly what he is doing when he is forsaking egypt you know what he is doing he is not giving any provision to his flesh to fulfill the lusts by faith he forsook egypt by faith he forsook egypt by faith he forsook he was saying no to those value systems no to those treasures no to those lewdness no to those pleasures and he is pursuing god now and let there be a sense of urgency in this let there be a sense of urgency ah konjam savakasanga nimmalanga yestarante kaadu those who understood telugu aram se karunga main abhi time hai baki hai delhi dur hai nahi 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 bahut kareeb hai night is fast spent and the day is at hand so let's go back now to acts chapter 7 to look at his next 40 before he becomes and we'll we'll stop with this guy and uh acts chapter 7 was uh, 
24. Something happens before he goes to the next 14. I would look at that and then we will go. It's 24 onwards. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed. Why was he... Why, why did he forsake all the wisdom? Because he was not working. <laughs> he tried to reconcile his brother. He was not working. Okay. Let me tell you something. Our training, our PhDs, our H2SO4s, our uh, hydrogen chlorides and everything is useless for the kingdom of God. And the more you are qualified, in the world, you are less qualified for the kingdom. Okay. The more you are qualified in the world, God has to make you really, really humble you more to ensure. That is the reason why it says in First Corinthians chapter 3, if you think that you are wise concerning the sage, you should be made what? A fool first before you will be made wise. Okay. So this one is not working for him. So he ran. Alright. So let's go to Acts chapter 7 and let's read from verse 29. 29. Then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian where he had two sons. Okay. He, let, he dwelled dweller in the land of Midian. You know what Midian means, right? Strife. Okay. And in the land of strife, he had two sons. Okay. So you can imagine uh, what, how that children, those children were, you know. Wife says, you are a bridegroom of Blood to me. Okay, we are not going to go into those things. And when, what? 40 years had passed. That is when, sab kuch order ho gaya, zindagi mein. All the wisdom was humbled. 40 years. So, let, us, let it not take 40 years for us. So, I am just telling you, it is a symbolic number, okay? So, let it take less time for us, okay? You decide how much time, okay, Sam? Decide how much time you want, alright? Within that time, you make a decision. uh, Enough is enough, Lord. Uh, I want to come to a point wherein I don't trust my brains. I don't even think that I am eloquent anymore. All the wisdom of the Egyptians, the eloquence, everything is gone. You know what he says? My tongue, I can't speak. I stammer. Okay. It's interesting. It's good, no, to go through failure in life. Okay. It's important with that. There should be some failure. Rafa Nadal Antad Vadike, failure the Okay. 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 See, it's, uh, you, you should see all these sports people, okay. They say, uh, one of the things that they say is, they are worldly, this is world, worldly wisdom. He says, unless and until I appreciate losses in my life, I'll ne- never be able to ap- appreciate the wins in my life. Okay. So he says that whenever I lose, it teaches me a lot of things. That's, that's the wisdom of this world. But you know, this is something totally different. He's come to a point, in, in the wisdom of this world, yes, I can do it. Right? Yes, I can do it. I'll work hard. I'll train hard. I'll run hard. I'll coach hard, etc., etc., etc. And the next tournament, I'll win it. No matter how hard I work, no matter what I do, useless. It comes to that point. And then for 40 years are passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. 
when Moses saw it, it marveled, he marveled at the sight and as he drew near to observe the voice of the Lord came to him. What did it say? I am the Lord your father, God of your fathers, the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac and God of Jacob and Moses trembled and did not to look. This is what I call having a personal encounter with God. Okay. This is truly, truly life altering. I'm not talking about the kind of a physical encounter that he had. Paul also had a physical encounter. But it is important that every one of us, I'm telling you, all the people who are watching me, it is indispensable for a believer to become a genuine believer without having a personal, what do you call, an encounter with God. You have to meet God. And you know what happens? It's like this, no? Balaam is bent upon his ways. The donkey is able to see, he is not able to see. And he's smashing the donkey. And God opens the mouth of the donkey and he starts speaking to the donkey. And he tells me two things. Either he's so blinded that he's able to speak to the donkey and that he's, he's, he doesn't realize that there's a miracle that has happened over it, or he's already used to speaking to the donkey. I don't know. Maybe the donkey was speaking to him time past also. I don't know. Maybe it's all divination. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just speculating over here. Hmm? The point here is this. He doesn't have an encounter. He just goes and, and then he sees the angel of the Lord with a drawn sword. And that's exactly what Joshua also has an experience. What, is, what was the Joshua's experience? He saw the angel of the Lord with a drawn sword. And what did he ask? Are you for our enemies or are you for us? You know what he says? Neither. If you are against me, I'll go <laughs> use the sword against you also. I don't have a problem. It is not whether I am against you or for you. Are you for me? That's the point. And then he says, take off your shoes from off your feet. That means all your past life, put it away. Throw it in the garbage bin. What is the point here? This is the point What was the word that he used? I forget that word. Powerful word David Wilkerson uses. Ah, he says, he comes to a point where he has lost all reputation so that he could get revelation. Powerful statement. A point in his life where he has lost all worldly reputation so that he could get a fresh Revelation. That is where all his worldly credentials have been smashed, if I can use the words, into smithereens, crushed to the ground, powdered. And that is a point of what? Revelation. You know, uh, I think uh, I, I think William Grunel he wrote a book called uh, Christian in Shining, uh, Christian in Complete Armor. You know what he says? Paul was put in prison. Okay, and it was not that Paul was Nero's prisoner. Nero was Paul's prisoner. <laughs> and what was he doing? He was not writing recommendation letters to get him out of prison. 
but in the place of absolute no reputation, what God was showing him was giving him new revelation. You know something? To get revelation, you should have no reputation. Absolutely. To get revelation, you should not have any reputation. If you, that is the reason why he says, Lord, you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and you have revealed it to what? Babes. Why babes don't care about reputation? Even if you say, you did a good job, Ray. They don't know what you are actually saying. All the confidence in the flesh has been dealt a death blow. That is the point he comes to. 40 years. It's a place where all his hidden leprosies are exposed. You can't hide it from God anymore. You know, that is where he comes to a point. Till now he chose affliction. He did all kinds of things. He murdered, left, took, looked to the left, looked to the right. And he murdered. But you know what, something? It was not approved by God. And you know what God had to show him? God had to show him all his hidden leprosies. Without the touch of God, you're as good as any other man in this world. Comes to a point of absolute no reputation. That is a point where God is taking all of us. And then you know what he shows? He commissions him. Okay. He commissions him. We'll come to that. The commissioning of Moses. That will be a, a fantastic study to it's a whole chapter on how he commissions him. I don't want to go into the details of it. And after he commissions, you know what he does? After God meets him, you know, he does something very interesting. He goes somewhere before he goes, takes off to Egypt. Yeah, he goes to his father-in-law. He doesn't say, like Jacob, okay, God appeared to me, let me scoot off with my, with my wife and children. No goes to his father-in-law and says, okay, I worked under you for such a long time. God appeared to me and it's time for me to go. And he goes in peace. Let me tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the last point I want to leave you with. When that 40 years of your life is over and God is moving to a different place or whatever ministry that God has called you to, one of the things that you have to do is make peace with those under whom you worked. So that they can send you away with a blessing. Otherwise it will not go well with you. It will not go well with you. That is the ultimate test. He goes to his father-in-law. And he says I'm leaving. And his father-in-law sends him away in peace. So this morning. We will continue. Okay, So many things to learn. We will continue. We only looked at the first 40 in detail. Let's, let us look at the next two 40s also. And see only life of Moses. You learn so many things as to how he comes to a point when he reaches Numbers chapter 12 where it says Moses was the meekest man on all the earth. How does he reach that point? How does he reach that point? In his life where God says Ye banda to mera banda hai. Likh le re bhai. Sab se deen kya bolt isko? Deen aur uch aur Meek, blessed are the meek ko kya bolte hai? Hindi mein kya bolte hai? Pata nahi. Okay, thik hai. So, 
سب سے ہمبل یو آر دا مین رائٹ ڈاؤن اٹس ناٹ گٹ انٹو یور ہیڈ آئی مین آئی کیٹن بائی دا اسٹیٹمنٹ رائٹ موزس یو آر سو میک یو رائٹ ڈاؤن رے یو آر ناٹ یو ناٹ ایون گوٹ گو انٹو یور ہیڈ یو آر سو میک ہاٹ از یو کم ٹو دیٹ پوائنٹ یو ول کم ٹو دیٹ نیکسٹ فورٹی ایئر جرنی مے بی اف دا لاڈ لیڈس ٹو مارو اوکے Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day. You're teaching us how to become faithful. For you're looking for faithful, loyal subjects. And you've given us a type of a man in the old covenant. But you said, Lord, those who are greatest in the old covenant are very little when compared to the least in the new covenant. The tremendous privileges that we enjoy as your people in the new covenant. Forgive us for we shorten your hand in our lives because of our unbelief. And I pray, Father, for every one of my brothers and sisters who is here, including myself, Lord, that this be the time where we will seek you and we will receive each one of us a word from heaven concerning our lives, concerning a vision that you have for us, that we will just not know the good or the acceptable, but Lord, we will graduate into knowing your perfect will. Those who know only the good will know the acceptable. Those who know the acceptable will know the perfect. And those who do not know at least will turn out to know, to, uh, will come to know their good, the good will in their lives, O oh Lord. To that end, I pray that you would bless every one of us within this, in the sound of, of my voice. Challenge us to seek you with all of our heart. Come at all of us into your hands. Plead the blood of Jesus. And even as we sit at your feet and learn from you, even in the evening, pray, Father, that our hearts will be prepared. And we will receive the word with meekness. <coughs> with meekness. So that it is able to save our souls. Thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.